Welcome to the PMPA's Speaking of Precision podcast featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller, David Wynn, and Miles Free. Hi, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA's Speaking of Precision podcast. Carly Kistler-Miller and David Wynn have joined me today, and we are going to discuss ways to defeat the hanging crosshole burr. Welcome, Carly. Welcome, David. Thank you, Miles. Thank you, Miles. All right, so Dave, talk to me. When What's a crosshole burr? It's well, stainless. It's stainless. <laughs> it's a plane. It's a plane. <laughs> uh, well, a crosshole burr is anytime you drill a crosshole, you're going to have a nasty burr, it seems like. Uh, even in brass, you'll wind up with some kind of burr. But uh, when you start talking about tougher materials, like your stainless, your chrome molly and in your really soft nasty gummy stuff like a 1010 or 1020 tubing you wind up with these horrible crosshole burrs that hang really hard and um we wrote a craftsman crib sheet on how to eliminate those and some tactics you can use to try to drop the parts off complete or finish them with mass finishing afterwards so to clarify this hanging crosshole situation the crosshole is going transverse across a prior existing hole that's going long ways. Like, like in a tube, there's already a hole there, and then the cross hole is a hole going into the hole, and that's where the burr ends up. So the burr's on the inside? The burr's on the inside, Ugh. making it even more fun. Now to I see it. why that's a problem. All right, so uh, we have ways to eliminate that. What, what are they? So if you're running on a mill turn, and like like he said, that's the crosshole burr that you folded inside an existing ID, which makes it a whole lot harder to get to. A whole lot but, harder to yeah, get to. A but whole I'm lot. I've fallen into the punning. <laughs> <laughs> but you can use something like a wire brush or a ceramic ball brush into the existing ID to try to wipe those away. Or you can also feed from an, exist, from an extra life tool spindle a wire brush or a ceramic ball brush through the cross hole and that will put just a little radius on the backside and pull those burrs out. But that's not a real good solution for a higher volume because it's hard to maintain those ceramic ball brushes and hard to maintain the wire brushes over a large volume. Would they, couldn't they just push that back into the new cross hole you just drilled? That is a potential, and and that can happen with that. And that's all um, designed in finding the right, especially with the ceramic ball brush, the right size balls, the right size pressure on the ID. So they make those in really close tolerances so you can get, you know, within a tenth hour range usually, and the right grit on the ceramic ball to make sure you clear that burr. So this is art, not science. That's right. Okay, do you have something a little more akin to science? (laughs) Well, for the science man... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, you can use a back chamfering tool. So there's a couple of different types of back chamfering tools. There's the um, type that a couple of companies manufactured a while back that has like a blade where you go in one direction, it'll chamfer the front of the hole, you reverse it and the blade flare, flares out and you can get pressure on the backside of the hole and chamfer it. You could also um, interpolate that with a back chamfering mill inside a live tool spindle while going through the cross hole and then basically single point the chamfer with a spinning tool on the inside and interpolate that. And this, as long as the tool remains in one piece, this does get rid of that that burr. 
Yes, and that's that leaves a very nice finish on the inside. It's just a long cycle time. Right. But the only thing we have to watch out for is on the print if there's any kind of requirement for that radius or whatever on that on that blend, right? That's right. And if you're using a back chamfering tool, especially from a live tool spindle, so you're using something like a chamfer mill and you're going in there, you can control that. So you can interpolate that and you can create any angle or chamfer that you want with the tool. Okay, so we've solved the problem, right? So wait, that's on the mill turn and Swiss type lathes, right? Yes. All right. So, but then what about traditional turning or screw machines? Uh, oh, boy. Hey, <laughs> I don't the ask the easy in. questions around here. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, one of the big things for um, screw machines has always been mass finishing. So tumble deburring is a great way to take out those burrs and that's just that's all about selecting again it's kind of like the ceramic ball brush but a much faster operation you can take the appropriate media the appropriate solution and make sure that that media is not going to get stuck in your large id or the cross hole id but then it can adequately take those burrs off so that's that's all recipe management that's like plating and that again is more like more art than science once you figure it out you can use that same recipe over and over again, but figuring out what the appropriate media solution and timing is, is where the real key is. Yeah. Well, you're not going to make that work on a high nickel grade. You're not going to make that work on a 286. Come on, buddy. Well, that's true. And so you've got those harder grades. If you're getting out of your, your 1018s and your 12Ls and 1215s, and you're getting into some real tough stuff, then you're going to have to look at other options. Um, one of them is thermal deburring. But if you've got large attachment points on the burr, the thermal burring doesn't work out well. Um, you need something that you've got thin burrs going through so that when you heat the material, it can adequately incinerate the connection point so the burrs will fall out. Right. They need to be more like, like hair or fuzz, smaller uh, aspect ratio. Yeah, and, and you can do it with larger, thin chips as long as you have a thin attachment point. So you can achieve some of that with peck drilling and using uh, interpolated milling to go through the hole to try to make the chips smaller and the burr smaller. Well, that's feed management too, right? Yes, that's true. Okay. okay. So we've got some so, options. Are there any more options or that's it? Got the two? Well, there's another option, and um, to me personally, this, if you've got the room where you can, if you're using tubing and you've got an allowance to make the ID bigger, or if you're drilling the hole prior to cross-holing, you can leave yourself allowance, and then you can bore through the hole after cross-holing, and that removes a lot of the chips. You do, on higher nickel grades, fight um, pushing the chip back up into the cross-hole. And work hardening. Yeah, and work hardening. But uh, if you leave yourself enough allowance on your um, depth of cut, you can take it out with the boring bar, and you might still have to use one of the other methods if it has to be a super clean hole and go back through. So you take the meat of the burr out and then either mass finish it or go through with, like, the um, back-end chamfering or ceramic ball brush or something afterwards. You know, in, in, in my experience, I've always been one to, like, really want to minimize secondary operations. And uh, it, to me, it's just waste. And this idea of doing something after the fact, whether it's mass finishing, I've got another performer, I gotta move the stuff, I got time at this thing. Same thing with thermal deburring, any of this stuff. 
but in this geometry, I don't see a way around it, David. There really isn't, and that's kind of, you know, tumbling is an efficient use of time. It, it doesn't take that much of a performer's time, especially if it's something you have a recipe set up on. Uh, and the same goes for thermal deburring. You know, it, some of our shops actually have thermal deburring machines in-house, but there's people that do it as secondary operations and as an outside operation. But that is sometimes just the best way to get it done. It's the most efficient use of our performer's time because otherwise they're going to be at a bench with a hand deburring tool or a file or pliers and trying to break these things off. And that is an inefficient use. I would gnaw my leg off to get away from that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is not a humane use of a human being. So all, all of these were automated automated op options. Wow, I can't say it. Wow, they're like plum tomatoes. I, they're I need automated. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no one's doing this by hand. You've got ways to do this that are automated. Yeah, it, and I think that there's a lot of hand deburring that goes on that really can be accomplished with mass finishing, especially in the grades like your 360 brass, 12L, 1215, 1018, um, all those types of grades that we use a lot in our shops. I mean, I know there's a lot of shops cutting alloys and high nickel grades, but a lot of the material that we cut every day, especially on traditional screw machines, is your 12Ls and 1215s and 360 brass. And that wraps up today's podcast on defeating the hanging crosshole burr. Thank you for joining us. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. You don't want to miss one. Also, Check out our Speaking of Suppliers podcast to hear how our technical members can help your shops. For additional information, please visit pmpa.org where you can find our knowledge centers filled with articles, webinars, more podcasts, and other resources just for precision machining. And if you aren't already taking advantage of a PMPA membership, be sure to check out pmpa.org to learn how we can help you thrive. And why is a PMPA membership important, Carly and Miles? Because, because we, we are, are better together. together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision. Precision.